Hello and welcome to episode two of Lady Parts, um, a monthly podcast where we talk about women in genre cinema in front of and behind the camera. Uh, my name is Sophie. And my name is Amy. And <laughs> today we're going to be talking about Jurassic World. But first, the news. The news. Saw the Martian trailer. Saw the Martian trailer. The Martian, uh, which stars Matt Damon and several other people who are actually quite excellent, uh, is about. Yeah, it's a great cast. It's about a space exploration who, on their departure, bad things happen. And Matt Damon's character is stranded on Mars, hence the Martian. No actual Martians in the film, unfortunately. Very disappointed. I'd be interested to see the um, visa application <laughs> for Matt Damon on Mars to be able to call himself a Martian. That was terrible. It was a bit terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so thoughts on the trailer. What's your initial Citizenship. response? Citizenship. That was the word I was looking for. Immigration papers. Citizenship. Who uh, reflects <laughs> the immigration papers on Mars if there are no Martians? Actual Martians. My, my biggest hope for that trailer after watching it is the hope that there will be aliens, but there won't be. And I'll be sad. Maybe that's who saves him, ultimately. Everyone else dies trying to. Yeah. He's going to science the shit out of things. Well, I got that from the trailer. Because he looks... And and I think that was my biggest... Okay, so let's actually talk about the trailer now. (laughs) Um, My biggest response to the the trailer was the people who are meant to be astronauts were the least likely looking like astronauts. Matt Damon, uh, his physicality is just... To and, and this actually comes from he's an article. Dude. He's a meaty dude, and it comes from this great this great article that I read. I can't remember where. Um, was talking about action heroes now are too buff to be believable. Yeah. Um, like a lot of characters are supposed to be the everyman, but they're cut and ripped, and that's not the everyman. No. <laughs> so that's where I kind of went. Look, astronauts are in good good shape but they're actually kind of wiry people the g-forces mean that they can't have a lot of meat on their bones otherwise they pass out and vomit all over themselves really not necessarily in that order Uh, my science may be wrong please feel free to correct me um (laughs) but on the flip side of that kate mara and this was the only thing i could take away from that movie it actually looks really good and I'm, i'm interested to watch it because it's got a fantastic cast but kate mara is too short to be an astronaut there is no way she would pass flight school. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, was, I was intrigued by the trailer. I don't know if I'm as excited for it as I think you might be. Um, I like I, what I was excited. Yes, I like space. There's been a lot of space movies recently, though. And, I, I, and one of the things I do applaud the movie on is the fact that we obviously get three um, powerhouse women roles in it from the looks of it which is really exciting like a lot of those sorts of films do have this sort of token female role so it was really cool to see jessica chastain Kristen wig and kate mara taking up pretty um to reuse a word from before meaty roles mm, mm. um it's kind of funny that they all kind of a, it's very similar physicality which is interesting they're both very thin angular women um all mm. three rather not both um but I'm yes. interested to see what that looks like, and I'm interested to see the different shapes those roles take. And I hope that they all get their individual character arcs, and it's not just a bulking up of a cast um, to have more people to kill off, which I'm sure will inevitably happen. Look, it is uh, in space. It is in space. Uh, people die, which is always entertaining in space. Yeah. I'm very excited to see um, Chiwetel Ejiofor as well on it, because yeah. he is terrific. Yeah. Um, 
And Donald Glover's pretty good too. So it's a pretty interesting cast. So it's a really mixed bag, actually. It's got some real A-listers and then some um, people who are very successful on TV. Yeah. Um, especially like Kate Mara coming off House of Cards and, and Donald Glover coming off Community. Um, That's right. Donald Glover was in it. I forgot about yeah. him. Yeah. I, I th- yeah. I'll, I'll be interested. And it's got a good production team. So I'll be very interested to see what it's like. Unfortunately, the trailer seems to frame it as a, a hero shot for Matt Damon, which is my only reservation because it's Matt Damon. <laughs> and I love Matt Damon, but it's Matt Damon. But I will go see that movie. Yeah, might, might even be an episode of this. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. All right. Um, further in the news, we saw another trailer. Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> um, so Talk us through that trailer. <laughs> it's, not, it's not much of a trailer, really, if you're watching it at home. Um, I'm sure you've seen it where it's just a young man running... Um, quite far. Almost quite fast. Which is mm. good. He's shirt Bare blowing chest, in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Walking Dead's a pretty interesting premise. As, as um, most people know, The Walking Dead's been remarkably successful. Um, I've been watching it pretty adamantly over the last few years. Um, I think it's kind of average, to be honest, as an adaptation of a, of a comic book. Um, and the writing often leaves a lot to be desired. Um, but Fear the Walking Dead's ultimately the creator's efforts to... Um, have their own world to play in, ultimately, I think. Because um, the, wa- the Walking Dead is a show, really, you don't see the starts of the zombie apocalypse. Um, the lead character, Rick, has been in a coma for five years, and he wakes up to uh, the dystopian world that we now encounter. Um, and the show did a very, very good job in the first series of really having that and having that run-on effect of him being in a coma. Um, and Wait! Okay, so this yeah. is excusing my ignorance because I haven't seen The Walking Dead or read The Walking Dead. Isn't Rick the dad? Yeah, he's the sheriff. Okay, so, so uh, he's but his kid's like seven? He wouldn't be that young. He'd probably be like eight or nine in the first season. So he kind of goes... So basically what happens, the setup at the start of the show... Sorry, guys. Is, <laughs> um, is he gets shot in the... He's a sheriff, town yeah. sheriff. Um, and he and his wife have been fighting a lot since their kid was born, and it's okay. all been a bit messy, and he gets shot and put in a coma. And basically the zombie apocalypse happens, and he gets left up behind in the hospital, as a lot of the coma patients do. Okay. Most of the others die or get eaten, but his friend kind of locked him in, um, because he tried to take him with him, but it was too hard. Right. Um, when they escaped, and the friend, who turns out to be awful, takes his wife and child with him, okay. um, and they escape. And then the, a big chunk of the first series, of course, is Rick trying to reunite with his family, um, but then also reuniting with a group because they've obviously kind of started to form their own society and their own clique already. Um, so it's an interesting premise, and it's one that works okay. really well because, like I said, you do, especially for the first few episodes, the actual... Um, I don't know if I go as far to say realistic, but they do... Um, he doesn't just wake up from a coma. He can't walk properly. He gets really bad tonight. Um, Tinnitus. Tinnitus. Yeah. Um, and it gets a lot of these sorts of runoff effects. Okay. Um, so it's so, an interesting... So basically Fear the Walking Dead is that um, they want to go back in and fill in those blanks. So they want to take us back to five years ago and they want us to, they want to be able to show us the zombie, the start of it all. So is there going to be any character continuity? Uh, not that they've said so far. It looks like we're in a different part of America. Right. Is there kind of build-up of it? Which is going to be very interesting as the show progresses, though, because obviously... Um, in The Walking Dead, the characters go all over the country mm. and all over the place. Um, I'm not super inspired by the casting call that came out. Um, I wish I was. <laughs> the female roles especially felt a bit 
Limp. Short on the ground, yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's a mother role and a teenage daughter role. They, they were quick to emphasize the smart, capable teenage daughter. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Um, I think I probably will watch it. Um, it was interesting. The trailer, look, knowing as little as I do about The Walking Dead, the trailer doesn't inspire me to watch it because I know the zombies in The Walking Dead are slow. So... Why are you running, man in a shirt? Well, he doesn't know they're slow. Like, going back, it's pretty far. Like, it's going back to the very start of the zombie apocalypse. And to be frank, if I had a dead person rock up at my front door, I'd probably be running pretty fast. Look, sure. And judging by his attire, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't running from a zombie. Right, that's true. He was pulling his pants up. He was pulling his pants up, everybody. I have a theory about zombie apocalypse. If the zombie apocalypse came... Um, I have. I would have one of two choices. Like living in Australia, we obviously have the luxury of distance. We could drive out into the desert and just wait for them to starve, which would happen pretty quickly. Um, but I am actually on the side of the zombies. I would be okay um, being turned into a zombie because you know what's the difference? No stress, really. <laughs> I would Goodbye, get to sleep in. That's right. I wouldn't have to go to work. Smell pretty bad but, though. Well, look, I wouldn't care because I'm a zombie. Um, there's not a lot of you know, impetus to get dressed, bathe, eat. You know, I've got one calling, and that's just to eat other people's brains, and I think I'm okay mm. with that. Of course, the risk of getting hit across the head with a cricket bat or, you know, shot in the face is high, but, you know, that's probably as high as it is in reality anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, um, <laughs> shall we talk about something else? Australia? Yeah, so Screen Australia... Uh, well, it wasn't Screen Australia. It was, was If it? Magazine. If Magazine. Um, um, which is an Australian industry magazine, published an article about the lack of female-led um, screen dramas in Australia, which is a very interesting article. Um, they inter- he interviewed two women for it. Both were... It was Julie Riggs and De- Deborah Hall, I believe it was. Um, and both of them um, put forth very interesting opinions on the fact that there wasn't very much Australian-led... Um, drama currently on TV or on film. And I've got to say I disagree with the TV one. We're not like the American industry. It's a much, much smaller industry here. Um, But if you think about the big name shows in Australia at the moment, which is things like Offspring and Miss Fisher's Mysteries. Yep. Yeah, it's really Um, interesting, I think, in in the approach that they've taken because the the one thing that um, all of the commercials particularly looking for and um, a lot of the conversations that I've had recently with production companies that are um, opening Pubie offices. Blues is the other one I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah, um, all, all the production companies that are opening um, offices in Brisbane, particularly, all of them have indicated a very high interest and resume for female led drama, like yeah. Offspring or Puberty, Bu- Puberty Blues. It's more the darker stuff that is missing, I think, the female voices. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, if, especially if you look at things like Underbelly. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, they did try to rectify that in one of the latest seasons by having a female-led series, but I didn't watch it, Razor. to be honest. Razor. Um, that said, I do agree with it with film. I think we've got a very, very high, um, highly masculine voice mm-hmm. in Australian cinema at the moment, which is a real shame as well, because I think Australia's got a really rich history of female driven stories like I think of my favorite Australian films and they're films like Looking for Ella Brandy and they're films like Muriel's Wedding and Moulin Rouge which are all really um really women-led films and often women um creative teams as yeah. well my brilliant career as well it's um so it's, it's really interesting to hear um the the 
death with that almost at the moment. There's been a real lack of female-driven um, voices generally, mm. both in front of and behind the camera. Yeah, I read an article um, in interview Gillian Armstrong did recently. Gillian Armstrong, yes. Mm. Um, saying that exact same thing, she said, you know, looking at the opportunities that are presented to female Australian filmmakers, there's just... And her, her example was that there it's about... On, it's on par. It's about 50-50 male-female going through film academies at the moment yeah. in Australia. And she said once they graduate, however, if a male team wins an award, they're made offers. People want to work with them. But if a female team wins an award, they still have to hunt for work. Yeah. And she said it's actually really interesting to watch. And for someone of her calibre to observe that and articulate that as an issue, I think that's something that the industry should be paying attention to. You know, she mm. came through when there wasn't a big group of female no. writers. And working, you know, where we do and working in the industry that we do, we can see the creatives that are operating in film and television at the moment. And there's a lot of ladies yeah. that just need the same opportunity or an equal uh, equal space to to make the approach or to be heard. Yeah, definitely. And I and I hope with the success that has happened overseas now with the Babadook, yes. um, we might start to see some more attention paid to that. But I mean, that's a really interesting case as well because that's actually a really um, very much an internalised story and it's... Um, I read a review which said this, but it's something a sentiment that I totally, totally agree with, which is that you could take the horror out of the Babadook and it would be just as horrifying mm. you know because it's really about um one woman's struggle with depression and the fact that she can't doesn't know no longer knows how to handle her son yeah um or how to connect with the part of her that's a mother um and that's a really really interesting um female voice to take and not one that we hear very often and you know what that's actually um, a story that you see a lot with the father-child narrative yeah. that the father has to reconnect with the child or is struggling to connect with the child but it's often not one that you see with the mother so yeah yeah it's really interesting that you say that yeah, yeah. um so hopefully that starts to open doors again but i mean the Babadook tanked in australia mm. um, but that was mostly due to the really very very poor marketing um job done on it um, no some, one knew it was out. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. Yeah. I, I really struggle with Australian, and again, tangent, um, Australian film in that the marketing doesn't... It's not as, as supportive, I guess, as the American. The American no, puts a lot of value in the marketing campaigns. Yeah. Where well, Australia, because the funds are so limited, all of the funds go into development rather than distribution and marketing, which... Yep is is equally important equal yeah equal. Um, and it's and this is the fact so you know if you usually see if a film in america is a 150 million dollar movie it's actually a 300 million dollar movie because of, they yeah. match the um actual budget of the film with marketing costs mm. and but when we talk about marketing costs as well marketing cost costs aren't just billboards and um posters on the side of buses uh, marketing also covers flying artists to premieres. Um, it involves festivals, um, festivals, yeah. um, preparing people for interviews, putting people up. So there's a lot of um, other costs involved that, um, than just our traditional marketing or how we perceive marketing. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, that's really um, overlooked in the Australian industry. Yeah. 
And I think too, a lot uh, in terms of how we approach, and again, tangent, how we approach Australian film is we market it as an Australian film, which isn't always in its best interest. And I think of these final hours as an example, case in point, it it premiered on the same weekend as Guardians of the Galaxy and Lucy opened. (laughs) Now, I can understand the logic. They wanted a small, quiet movie to sit against these massive blockbusters, Mm. but they operate in almost the same genre. And that's not the way they promoted that film at all. No. They promoted it as a loud movie, yeah. a big movie. And, and But they promoted it as something different and, oh, that you should go see the Australian film instead of the other th- ones. And you're like, yeah. well, actually, they're all operating in the same space. I'm going to see Guardians of the Galaxy because that's my genre, you know. Yeah. You should be considering that when, when you're promoting it and I'm not sure where across the communities that support uh, film quite as well as the American audience. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. More ladies. More ladies. Um, what was the last one? We had one more uh, news item. Mad Max comic book. Oh, God, yes. That was interesting. So there was a comic book released uh, as a prequel to the Mad Max film, which we reviewed last week. And well, last month. Last month. Last month. <laughs> well, not that oh, not quite that fast. <laughs> Boy. Um, now, I can't remember who published it. Apologies. But... Uh, so it was designed as a prequel and it was supposed to be designed as a, kind of an explora- explanation of why the wives and Furiosa were on the journey that they are. It was titled Mad Max Furiosa, which was really interesting because we learnt so little about her during the comic. Mm. Um, so that was very odd. Yeah. Um, thoughts? We have neither have read. We've, we've read reviews. Um, and I read a panel-by-panel panel exploration of the, the comic and... Frankly, I don't ever want to read the comic because no, if, it sounds if, pretty... if it's an accurate representation of what happened in the comic, then it's going to undo all the good feelings I have about Mad Max Fury Road. And that's the thing. I mean, it's just, it's a real shame. Look, I think the best way I can think to describe this in a lot of ways is that I, um, after the first Paranormal Activity movie came out, I was a really big fan. It was a lot of fun. I was very scared. Um, I'm a bit of a horror nut. Love a good horror movie. And the first Paranormal Activity movie was a good horror movie. Um, And of course, based off of the success of it, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And they kept explaining it and explaining it and explaining it. And then all of a sudden... And it's not that it didn't get good, although certainly the scripts, I think, were weaker. Um, But it over-explained it and it over-talked about it. And the film completely lost anything that had made it scary or magic Mm. or interesting and I think that certainly seems to be part of what's happening with the Furiosa comic I mean it's made a bit worse by the fact that a bit worse, a lot worse (laughs) by the direction that they chose to go in with the character uh, and with the characters Um, and what's interesting is it's mm -hmm. George Miller made a particular point of having a feminist um, critique of the film script Um, she was involved with the editing process and and there are no women involved in the development of this comic. Yes. As a result, what we have is all of those things that were nuanced and appreciative about the film and that um, all the subtleties of the film regarding sexual violence, violence against women, um, even violence against men and some of the, um, the representations of men within the film are almost entirely undone by the comic all of that subtlety has been ripped away to the point where it's almost i like i said i I can't i don't want to read it because it will 
just undermine all the good feelings I have about the movie. <laughs> yeah, it seems almost like a bit of a um, rotten apple situation, unfortunately, where you're biting into something delicious, yeah. only to find a pretty nasty core at the centre of it. Um, so I don't really, yeah, as Amy just said, you know, I have no intention of reading it if it's going to undo the good feelings I have towards um, Mad Max Fury Road. Um, and I hope that it just falls into the abyss. Let's hope so. Um, uh, what, what, or someone rewrites it. <laughs> I, I really hope George Miller hears it and hears the feedback on it because it, um, like all all of the the stuff we were talking about, male gaze and and male voice. It actually for a um, a comic that focuses so heavily on the female stories, it, it's told with a male voice, and that it actually it reads like an MRA. Uh, script like oh, this gross. is how MRA view Mad Max and and it yeah gross so <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> let's leave it on that note <laughs> hopefully more positive news next time that's right let's hope the sequel is a lot better than the comic yeah yes well fingers crossed all right okay. Jurassic World Jurassic World I'm really proud of you for going on this trip you're gonna have so much fun and remember something chases you. We have learned more in the past decade from genetics than a century of digging up bones. A whole new frontier has opened up. We have our first genetically modified hybrid. We just went and made a new dinosaur? Probably not a good idea. Almost 40 feet high. Really think she climbed out. Depends. On what? What kind of dinosaur they cooked up in that lab. So, Jurassic World. Uh, 22 years after the events of Jurassic Park, two brothers visit the now fully functional Jurassic World. <gasps> Their aunt, Claire, uptight and red-headed, runs the park <laughs> <laughs> and shares barbs with Raptor Wrangler and well-cut Owen. Please said she had barbs there for a second. I was like, oh dear. <laughs> that would have made I that missed, movie so much better. I missed that scene. Shared barbs. Could you imagine? Okay. Uh, and included in this amazing movie is genetic engineering, evil corporations. Basically, it involves a lot of bad stuff. It does, and of course, things go awry and bad things happen because they're, you know, dinosaurs. Um, so, Jurassic World. <laughs> <laughs> the silence is telling. Dun, Look, dun. I didn't like this movie. Um, <laughs> nope. I didn't like it at all. I didn't enjoy my time watching it. Nope. Um, didn't like it at all, to nope, be honest. Nope. I found it incredibly weak. I found it, um, as I said to you before, I found that it took elements of... The previous three movies and um, genetically spliced them together <laughs> to make the horrible, horrible, disgusting freak of nature. Not that, unlike uh, the main dinosaur yeah, of this movie. And it was camouflaging trying to be a better movie, <gasps> but it was all a lie. Um, you just mixed in so many thematic elements. It just was, then. yeah. I prepared that. I did not prepare that. <laughs> but, it's, um, but I just found that it was actually the entire product of what the film was trying to moralize against. Um, and it was, I found it very sad, and um, um, I, was, I came out of it really, not only disappointed, but pretty demoralised about the whole experience. I mean, Jurassic Park's a movie that's really close to my heart, as I know it is mm. to Amy's too. Um, and to see it um, 
pulled apart and put back together so um haphazard so, so unkindly and so mm. in such a way that felt so disrespectful to the memory of the original film um was something that i found very very difficult to watch yeah um, and i think that's actually we'll unpack that a lot but mm. um that was the biggest thing for me is this movie just felt disingenuous it didn't have any love for what came before it. I mean, to be fair, two and three were not dissimilar in time. I do have a soft spot for three. Oh, will, come I'm on. Sorry. Really? I'm sorry. I do. I can't. I, I'm sorry, everyone. But I don't like two. And it, it was but. something that I was conscious of. Okay, well, let's go back. So walking into the movie, um, something that I was very conscious of was trying to avoid assuming it was going to be Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park... For me, it came out and I would have been, oh, 12, 13, 12. Yeah, let's say 12. Um, <laughs> showing my age. Um, I had read the book and it, it is one of my favourite books. It's a f- really dense read, but it's a really interesting read and explores, you know, scientific theory, um, moral questions, and it's got a great um, cast of characters who have really interesting relationships with each other. And Michael Crichton, he likes to... He likes to talk the big talk and he likes to look at the Postulate. big issues yeah and uh he does that really well and, and it's a great book and jurassic park the movie was the perfect interpretation of that book there was no way you were going to do a direct adaptation of that book no. it is too dense so it distilled all of the really good stuff about the book uh into what is a really hilarious and fun and interesting and it's like I know where all of the beats are for the shocks, but it still manages to shock every single time that friggin' raptor reaches through the cage to try and eat Ellie. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> um, and and Jurassic Park, and I really wanted to not. I mean, two and three were balls in my opinion. I was not a fan of two or three. Um, it just couldn't capture Two's the magic for terrible. me. Oh, two was terrible, even though you know it was like that where they take. They in, in television series where they take one of the best the, side characters yeah, and they the give Joey too much. Yes, of Jurassic Park. It was. Yeah. That's exactly what it, it was. The Joey spinoff. Uh, um, and but, I wanted to really separate myself from assuming it was going to be mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. I really wanted to do that, and I did. I think I did moderately successfully, and then didn't enjoy any of it. Yeah, well, that's exactly <laughs> right. And. It's, I mean, for me, this film had nothing to say. Yeah. And this is one of the things that's so terrific about Jurassic Park. And indeed, I actually think this about a lot of films of this sort of era or of this kind of the early 90s um, was that they were really, I think it was an age of, an, of a moral action film. Mm. And I think it was, a, it was an age of posing big questions and trying to answer them. And Jurassic Park asks a lot of questions about our, um, our like, especially about science and our mm. role um, as people and... And, um, what our responsibility the, is. Yeah. yeah. And the moral grounds on which we perform great acts of science mm. um, and our nature of exploring and perhaps playing Exploiting. God. Yeah. Um, and it's, and this film, and Jurassic World, though, said nothing. It asked no questions. I think it tried a couple of times, but it was half assed and didn't really. Um, it, it kind yeah, of it felt like it was going to ask a question, particularly with that military subplot, and that was something further to what I you said. Hated that. Action movies from that era, you know, were really about the every man being placed in extraordinary circumstances. Yeah. You know, Alan Grant, Ellie Sadler, even Nedry, these are boring 
well, not boring jobs, but these are people, everyday people with everyday jobs who are just going about their lives, doing what they do, and they're thrust into this really strange situation that they ultimately have to survive. Mm. What's continually happening now with action movies is you've got ex-Navy blah who's a raptor wrangler. Yeah, that was weird. Like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the thing as well. Which, I can't I mean, relate to that. <laughs> And I mean, this is the thing too for me with Jurassic World was it seemed to have about 12 different plots mm. and didn't really know which one it wanted to one be the main plot and it didn't all, and it also didn't really know which one it wanted to prioritize at any given time. And it also seemed to drop the ball on a lot of them. Oh, halfway uh, through. Yeah. Yeah. Halfway through a lot of these storylines just seemed to disintegrate. I mean, there was um, even from minor ones like the two boys and their parents divorcing um, to Owen's off offsider, who was one of the other raptor mm. trainers, he just disappears in the second half of the movie. Um, even dare I say it, with the mil- militarization of the raptors, that didn't really go anywhere. No, um, it it was just this sort of it was a lot of these kind of half-assed plots and storylines, which almost felt like we were still in the writers' room with people throwing ideas at each other, and then finally they got to a point with because the, there was four writers on this film. Um, they're like, let's put them all in. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's exactly what it was. They really had, hey, what about this? And we could explore this. And then we could do this. And then nobody edited it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one actually sat down and said, okay, well, what's here is a story worth telling. Yeah. And I think there were stories and they're worth telling. Like, um, like I do think that Claire, having viewed the dinosaurs as assets, um, and her kind of realizing that these um, creatures were creatures, were animals. Mm. I think that was an interesting plotline to worth exploring because again, it it asks a question, it poses a question about, um, but it's different enough from Jurassic Park that it could have been an echo as opposed to a trying to imitate it. Mm. Um, it was it was very odd too because that that plotline that that single bit about Claire, you know, um, starting to empathise with these animals, it was so overdone too. Yeah. Like she she had single tear scenario going on, and you're like, really? Yeah. And that's something I wanted to, to include. But with I mean, those. Then they dropped that, and as they well. dropped it entirely. Yeah. And all of the backstory stuff that they developed about the divorce, about Owen being ex Navy, about the hand, like the the Claire's assistant, and mm. she was getting married. All of these, they they were determined to create little backstories for every character. That meant nothing to the plot whatsoever. No. So, you know, Owen's naval stuff means that he can shoot a gun. What? Like, I, I equate that, you know, in Steven Seagal, Under Siege. Like, that's a terrible, terrible movie. But the fact that um, Casey, what's-his-face, is um, an ex-Navy SEAL and very, very good at killing mm. people is relevant because it moves the plot forward. Yeah. In this case, it didn't do anything. No, and, that, and that's what I've got to say as well. I mean... I'm sure we'll talk Rybeck. a lot more about. Casey Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about the roles for women later on in the podcast. But um, uh, one of the things I found, especially with Claire, was that they really wanted to set her up as being this sort of authority and really powerful figure, but they undermined her authority at every opportunity yeah. they got. Yeah. Um, to make her look like some doofus that was like it could have been a comedy half the stuff they'd written about her, um, which was just kind of constantly. Um, yeah, undermining the authority of the character. 
Um, yeah. Which I, which really bothered me, and not just for my with my feminist hat on. It bothered me as a viewer because I'm like, well, how am I supposed to believe that she's run this excellent park for ten years? For ten years, yeah. When she can barely, she can't get, have a conversation yeah. with one of the staff. Like, yeah. And she, she's the boss. Like, she has the capacity to pull rank over this guy. I yeah. specifically Chris Pratt's character. And not once does she, and and I know they're trying to set it up, and you mentioned this before about it being kind of almost like a 1950s rom where it's um, that the two two very strong-willed people who are, you know, already in love but just don't know it yet. Mm. But even then, you know, if she's in a position of such power, she knows how to exert it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of get what they were trying to do like that, but it's, I mean, I read a review which said that they've got no chemistry, and I disagree with that. I think they did have chemistry. I just think the writing was so poor around it. It was bad, it yeah. That, like, I mean, some of the dialogue, I was like, is this, like, a student film? Yeah. <laughs> like, it felt like it was that level of bad. Because um, some of the lines, which was, I was cringing in the cinema. Um, and in terms of the plot, too, I found it really, and we'll, we'll deconstruct the, the roles, but um, the, the plot just didn't make, sense at all um no. you know as a theme park as a zoo there are certain work occupational health and safety issues <laughs> that should have been addressed and were not um if she was a woman with such authority and such power she wouldn't have needed to question whether or not to close a section off she wouldn't mm-hmm. have and they gave her such hesita- hesitancy like mm-hmm. every like you said every yeah. decision she made was undermined either in the direction or by another character yeah and i'm like this is a chick who's running a multi-million dollar business like multi-billion dollar business 200 what was it Twenty thousand people yeah were 20, on the island people. and she can't make a critical assessment and this is the other thing actually someone in her position of power wouldn't have to make a critical assessment there is somebody on staff who would sit there and go actually this is a bad hat harry let's you know shut this whole part of the island down until you've got it under control and if you haven't got it under control within the next hour you're actually compromising the safety of everybody we have on the island so we're going to evacuate why they didn't evacuate i'm I so confused i get i mean obviously i get why they didn't like they made the creative decision not to evacuate the island well, but it was stupid less people to eat if and they completely evacuate. unbelievable oh. and the thing that bothers me the most about that as well is you could have had a setup to make the, sure the people stayed you could have had the big whale dinosaur eat the jetty or something yeah. you know you could have had a setup or which, a storm yeah. which is what they used in the first one yeah which also then ups the stakes because you've got all those people mm. like they kept flashing back to them. I'm like, that guy's drinking margaritas. Who <laughs> 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 was my favorite character? Yeah. I'm oh, like, that was beautiful. Chillax, that's where I'd be. For those um, that missed it, there's a beautiful shot of this guy. Well, the pterodactyls, spoiler alert, uh, zooming in on all the people. So there's pterodactyls that you don't know are there until a third way, well, halfway through the movie. Yeah. Pterodactyls suddenly swoop in on where are the 20,000 people are because they have thermal sensors. <sighs> Science. Um, Science the shit out of it. <laughs> so everyone's running around and screaming, and this guy, in his haste to evacuate, you know, he's got a firm grip on a margarita in each hand. So obviously, this dude's priorities are uh, well in uh, the right place. Yeah, on point. That's right. On Don't worry point. about the kids and the wife, as long as you've got your margaritas, buddy. My friend lent over, actually, while we were watching it in the cinema, and she was like, That'd be you and me. <laughs> and I was like, Yes. <laughs> See, I wouldn't have even run. I'd just be sitting under the table going, oh, yeah. I'm going to die. Don't, yeah. <laughs> just don't even bother. Um, there was some, like, this is completely off point and off topic. but Well, not off topic, really. But um, did you see the pterodactyls with the, like, T-Rex T-Rex head? face. 
I was like, what? You know. Um, because as far as they're concerned, the first splice we've had is the big is the big gal. Well, that was the what they intimated. Yeah. Yeah. And look, there would have been a variation on the bird type dinosaurs, but uh, in my knowledge of dinosaurs, because um, I'm such an expert. Oddly enough, I'm just going to say this. So Jurassic Park, I very nearly became joint, <laughs> became a paleontologist <laughs> because of that movie. Um, now everyone's going to be fact-checking your dinosaur. My dinosaur, I know. It was, let's be fair, it was 20 years ago, so be kind. <laughs> um, I mean, there were different type of um, bird-based or flying dinosaurs, winged dinosaurs, mm. but most of them were territorial, so you wouldn't have had them in the same Avery to begin with. And secondly, they would have been much more interested in killing each other than they would have picking off humans and that was the thing one in terms of plot there are so many holes or or gaps in logic so the imprinting the science behind the imprinting situation was just odd um the flying flying dinosaurs issue was was odd um the fact that these dinosaurs have have been in the same avery for years okay so maybe they've got used to each other but it, it just seemed like a very convenient plot point that these guys would suddenly start picking off humans who they've never seen before yeah um for food but that's okay there were some cool things that i liked and <laughs> this is where i'm an idiot because i've forgotten the name of the dinosaur the, the hard shell dinosaur with the club tail where um the oh, yeah, indomus yeah. rex um, starts to attack them and you can actually see how um, the club dinosaur would actually survive in that scenario that I really appreciated because it wouldn't have just been a merciless slaughter like mm. it was for some of the, the herbivores this guy would have beaten the shit out of whatever it was attacking it yeah. and because of the shell structure would have been able to defend itself so I appreciated that kind of some of the detail but some of the other science was just it was very it was very broad strokes yes um, there was not a lot of finesse here at all. No, and I think that was true of most of the plot. Most of yeah. the logic, there wasn't a lot of logic. Yeah, there wasn't. <laughs> um, and it was very, it was a lot of conveniences as well. Yeah. Like, I don't know how they found the kids those, that quickly. Like, really. Like, oh, of course, they're, they're in the old Jurassic Park. Like, even that setup I thought was really strange. Um, oh, but he could track him because of footprints, don't you know? Yeah, after, like, in the... <laughs> Guys, look, uh, it was not uh, uh, so. Should we talk about the lady parts? Yeah, let's talk about the lady parts because <laughs> I feel like we could spend a lot of time poking holes in that plot. Oh my gosh, the I holes did... are big as. Can I just say craters. though, when they got to the old uh, shed, I'm just going to point out one of the key plot points in Jurassic Park was that there were no more jeeps. Um, all of the jeeps had been taken out and there was only one jeep and that was that came back to the visitor centre and that was the jeep that got parked out the front uh, which the boys found had been smashed up against the building. So the fact that there were two jeeps in the garage excuse me Jurassic Park you've either got a massive big gaping plot hole or Jurassic World you have a massive ga- gaping plot hole and I think I know who I would believe has yeah. a massive gaping plot hole. But anyway, the oh, rant Jurassic over. <laughs> And I just got to say, I've got to add to that as well. That was such a... I was not happy when they went in there, into the Jurassic Park setup. What? Like, it's... I, I know you I kind of liked know. it. I didn't at all. I felt like it was this big thing, like, um, about making that connection to Jurassic Park and being like, hey, guys, remember how much you loved this? Yeah. And to me, it felt like that. It felt really manipulative. Um, and in fact, it rubbed me the wrong way. I think it had the opposite effect of what they wanted it to have. Okay. Um, 
Plus, but, it didn't help. The score was so manipulative the whole way through. Like, from the get-go, mm. we had that kind of roaring score, which which Jurassic Park had as well, but Jurassic Park was a much slower build. And much it was, more subtle. Yeah, a lot more subtle. Because even at the start, I remember thinking how loud it was. Mm. Um, For not much been, either. No. Like, like, oh, they're landing in Jurassic World. Oh. Well, it was that big moment where <laughs> they did the bait and switch with the bird's foot. And yeah. there was actually guys sitting behind me where they were like, whoa, aww. Yeah. <laughs> reaction to the whole film <laughs> that but, exact well talking about sounds. the soundtrack actually i got really excited because and i, and I said this to, to my i saw it with my brother and my boyfriend and we got to the end of the movie and i said it's a really bad score if the best part the part that gets me most excited is a motif of the original score yeah. <laughs> that's not a good song no it's not at all <laughs> and it's a shame because it's michael giacchino i think is how you pronounce his surname um, he's a terrific scorer, and I don't know, for me, he really missed the mark on this one. Mm. Um, but then again, it's probably, he didn't have a lot to work with story-wise and emotional moment-wise. There wasn't a lot to there work with. There was not a lot of emotional touch points. No. Or meaningful emotional touch points. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, um, so, Lady Parts. Lady Parts. <laughs> start with Claire, shall we? Let's start with Claire, shall we? <laughs> so, a lot has been made about the fact that Claire wears heels the whole way through this movie. Yeah. I'm going to point out, you can't run in stilettos in mud. This is true. Can't do it. Although, I've seen my sister try. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> I'm not an elegant person, though, she's... so. <laughs> um, my sister certainly has that experience. Look, that didn't bother me as much. Like, it's I get it. It's you suspend your disbelief a bit for this sort of movie. Um, I was more bo- bothered by her terrible characterization. Oh, it was bad. And like, I actually love Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, I um, do I've too. seen her in quite a few things that I thought she was. I thought she did a really good job of. Um, which is why I was really. And, and but to be fair to her, I think she did the best she could have done with this sort of what film, with, with what she had because mm. she didn't have a lot. No, she was very much, and this is this is, again comparing it to Jurassic Park. You know, Claire's character was very much a damsel. Mm. You know, and as you said, she was undermined in every decision she made or attempted to make, um, or it was so obviously a constructed decision. Which I know sounds weird because it's film and all of it's constructed, but stuff like. You knew it was going to be bad and Claire was a bad person because she got her assistant to look after her yeah. nephews. You know, yeah. she was designed to... Her character arc was established from that very first moment, which meant there was no surprises. Yeah, it was very uninspired. Yeah. And I think it's just for the sh- the film didn't quite know what it wanted her to be as well. Like, it was mm. this really... Uh, I mean, like I've said in, in the past, it's like it's very much an almost an 80s film in terms of her role. Like she was, she needed some shoulder pads <laughs> and a bit of a, like uh, it was a power a suit, bit wasn't of teasing it? and like in her hair, and she would have been set, yeah. yeah. Um, because I mean, she started off the film. Our first inter- introduction of Claire is of her practicing names in the elevator and being really nervous and anxious. And I kind of liked that. I kind of liked this idea of someone in this really high-powered corporate role having elements of anxiety. Mm. Um, I thought that could have lent itself. So I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And I was kind of interested. Um, and then you never saw that side of her again, really, apart from the hysterical side, which is... She swung so widely. Yeah. yeah. So she went from that to being kind of um, head bitch in charge. Mm, locked down. Um, yeah. Locked down. And then she went um, back to being kind of... Um, 
really insecure about her decisions and, and the way she'd made these choices and being unsure and uncertain like when she took the um the gentleman to look at the um hybrid and she was like do you think it'll scare people and being like uncertain with the choices that she'd made and then going to find owen and kind of being bolshy and snarky which wasn't a side we'd seen of her either and so there was like a lot of really um strange um characterization choices and a lot of really strange writing choices and the other one that really surprised me actually and i know why they did it because it was played for played for the joke after but it was a totally out of character moment for her when she finally had the kids back and they were all in the car together and the um and she was like i'm never gonna leave you guys ever oh Uh, they're like can we stay with you and then she's like i'm never leaving you again and they're like no we mean him yeah which is a funny moment i laughed but i was also like i don't believe that character would say that no i don't believe that's her personality at all um and i mean they've toyed with this thing about her um desperately needing a child like her watching the mum and daughter connecting on the tv screen Mm. Um, and that really bothered me as well because i mean there's this thing with um with films like this where it's about the female character needing a family and she's missed out because she's had this corporate career no other character had that there were men coming out the wazoo of this there was no mention of a wife there was no mention of children there was no No. mention of a husband even like there were no no one else had any sort of connection to a family and it was never regarded as a character fault in the other characters whereas with claire it was and it was made a deal, but then not delivered on. Like, her her switch from being indifferent and not knowing how old they are, or even what their names were, mm. to suddenly weeping over the prospect that they're alone in the park. Like, yeah. I have some spinster aunts who aren't dissimilar. They'd leave you for a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would... Well, Good luck, Amy. No, they, but they wouldn't be weepy over it. Like, no. they'd be quite clinical about it that, because they'd be like... Yeah. They, they would question, they question seamlessly, and this is revealing more of myself, I probably should. <laughs> but, you know, they ceaselessly question choices of other people, but when it comes down to making the hard decisions, they fluster, but they're not emotional about no. it. And that's exactly right. And it's this thing where they didn't seem to know what to do with Claire as a character. No, because she they, went from being, like you said, bolshy to cold to to overly emotional. Like yeah. They tried to make her have this deep emotional connection to a, a dead Brachiosaurus or yeah, Brontosaurus or a Patasaurus. You are betraying all of your... I know. Well, you couldn't tell I was lying on the ground, okay? To be fair, dreams. I don't know the size of it, so I can't <laughs> comment. Um, and there's a lot of debate about the Brontosaurus and Patasaurus <laughs> thing now, so whatever. Um, but they tried to make it this really emotional and meaningful moment, and they just overdid it with mm. both the score and the direction. Yeah. Like, she went from, I'm concerned for my kids, to I'm crying over a dinosaur, and you're like, is it about the kids? Is it about the dinosaur? I don't understand what... You can be shocked, but is it worth... I don't... Yeah. I don't know. I was confused. And you could show... And like I said, I do like Bryce Dallas Howard as an actress. And I think she could have done Affected really well. And so you can be affected without having the lone tear, you know? Yeah. It's not about um, these sorts of very contrived moments, which I feel like Jurassic World was made up of. Um, but it's also like it's this sort of thing where they couldn't balance out that, like I said at the start, the anxiety that she was displaying without full-blown hysteria. Yeah, and, and I th- actually... That's really interesting because I think... If they were trying to make it, we're actually showing you she's highly emotional under this very cold yeah. facade. 
then what they've actually created is a hysterical woman figure, mm. which is such a stereotype for this yeah. genre and really undermines Jurassic World, a Jurassic Park series, because in every Jurassic Park, there are women who get emotional and who get hysterical, but at the heart of it, these are women who kick ass. Even Julianne Moore's role, which she was a bit of a ditz in Jurassic Park 2, she was still, she made smart choices and she made hard choices and she questioned them and she doubted them but she was never a hysterical woman in that situation and this is the thing as well you're dealing with someone who's in this high-powered job like she is and it's i mean i'm sure we'll talk about this again shortly but there was this whole kind of thing with her in the movie where it's like get in the van get in the van get in the van and that wouldn't have bothered me as much if they'd shown her having initiative and stuff and other skills because she's not a fighter, she's not a zookeeper, no. she's not, she's never going to be the guy riding the motorbike and kicking butt and taking names, and that's okay. But, but she's it's, but used to being to in show, charge. Yeah, but you need yeah. to show her strengths in other ways, and she yeah. should have come at it with a corporate mind, and with a um, and knowing the ins and outs of this of the zoo. Yeah, which is what she would have done. She would have known where all the trap doors were. She would have known where all the setups were. She would have known exactly how far these dinosaurs were going to get. You know, it would have been like she should have known that park inside out. Give her other skills. Make her strong in other ways. Mm. Um, but instead, you they just like I said before, they just completely undermined her. Yeah. Um, at every step of the way. And and she she doesn't pull rank. She pulls rank with Owen. But she doesn't pull rank nearly enough. But it's just in a sexy flirty well, that's way. It. It's a sexy flirty rank. She um, could be the CEO in the bedroom. <laughs> like, oh god! <laughs> uh, like the the she has a confrontation with the guy from Ingen, Vince um, Duroforo, and um, he's like, "I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna take stuff," and she 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 takes it from him. Like yeah. she doesn't turn around and go, "Actually, fuck off! I'm in charge." Swears warning. Um, she, she just kind of takes it and I then gets... I think you said gets... that, like, after you've sweated a million I know. times. <laughs> <laughs> I always do it. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> Children warning. Um, <laughs> and, and she does it... There's a couple of moments where where they kind of tell her how it is. And I'm like, actually, no. A woman in that position would be telling them how it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. And she would be used to that, even if she is... And maybe that was the thing. They were trying to show that when she's under threat, she, she feels crippled and, and incapable. But, again, you're creating this stereotype of a woman in an action movie yeah. from the 80s, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I'm who needs much to be rescued. more inclined to, like, judging by the little glimpses we got of her, I actually think there would have been more interesting ways to deal with her anxiety and stuff like that like I'm, I'd be much more interested in seeing a character who kind of seizes up or freezes the one who starts crying hysterically and I yeah. find that that's actually a much more believable trait as well to have um, and could lead to more interesting points of conflict than just the wailing woman mm. um, which is this such an 80s yeah. kind of concept yeah. um, and really disappointing and like I said it's I didn't need her out there fighting the dinos off she didn't need to be riding a raptor um, although that would have been amazing. Um, <laughs> that skirt, though, she would have got far. Those um, heels would have been like spurs. Oh, though. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I needed her to... Um, I needed the show to realise her strength, where her strengths lay. And I don't think they knew where they lay. No. And look, the only... She, she was so reactive and she only ever... Which, you know, every character in Jurassic, whatever, Jurassic series is reactive because they don't know what's going to happen because it's dinosaurs. But she actually wasn't even reactive. She was led. Mm. In every instance, bar one, she was directed to do something, and she did it. Yeah. 
Um, the only time she showed any agency was the beautiful scene at the end and I loved it and it was it the was only time I cheered. Scene, yeah. But I sat there and I kind of went, this is too little too late. I actually don't care anymore. Um, was where she has this brilliant moment which is inspired by one of her nephews. It's not even her own idea. Uh, it's inspired by one of her nephews. And she goes and releases the T-Rex and leads the T-Rex to the major fight um, with a flare. And it's this fantastic, I actually really liked it, it's this fantastic shot and it mimicked mm-hmm. an, an earlier shot where she's yelling at one of the tech guys. Oh no, yeah, she was yelling at one of the tech guys about something they were doing through the camera and then it's mimicked here where she's yelling at the tech guy again to open the damn door and know what I'm doing. And that was the only time where I feel like she made a decision and she followed through and she was confident in that choice. Yeah. And I think it could have been so much more satisfying because it was a good moment and I enjoyed that moment too. Um, But it could have been so much more satisfying if we'd seen the build to that. Yes. If we'd seen her have authority and control in other areas or if you wanted her to be, if the writers wanted that sort of or the implication of a full arc like that, you could have her as that sort of antsy and nervous character at the start and then just slowly have her making decisions. And you could Mm. have started with her patting patting the dying dinosaur and then you could have had her make another choice somewhere in there. And almost that's all you'd need is one of the scene half an act earlier do you know what it would have been um, it was her telling owen to get in the car yeah. or shut up i'm driving or yeah. even something like that where she's well, taking I mean, she charge the of that that she knocked the pterodactyl off him which i guess was kind of but but then they followed it up with a weird kiss thing that was hilarious i laughed out loud i was like <gasps> i like ugly laughed <laughs> um actually i forgot about the pterodactyl thing i feel yeah. like that w- it, that's what they were trying to do but it didn't really it, it didn't have a payoff because it's this thing where it was our focus was on him, and I get that because it should have. I, I understand they're wanting it to be a surprise with her kind of knocking him off, but I actually would have much preferred it have been a, the attention on her of her making that decision, um, so that the moment was hers instead of his. Yeah. Um, because, because I think that yeah, would have been a much more effective. And the takeaway choice. is on him too. It's not on her. Yeah. It's it's how he reacts to that yeah. situation. And, he and gets how to the boys. Her. Yeah. And then the teenage boys weirdly possessive. You need to calm down, buddy. <laughs> Like, he yes. wanted to make out with Chris Pratt. Don't we all? Don't we all? Yep. Mm, Chris Pratt. He's a mega babe. So let's move on. Um, so, Claire, look, I think potential was there, but definitely no Ellie Sattler. Um, and, and I think that's the big difference for me is, you know, Ellie makes bad choices throughout Jurassic Park. There's a moment where she trips and she swears at herself and she just keeps plugging she doesn't get told to do a lot she makes a lot of decisions in Jurassic Park and they're not always the right ones but it's always her making a choice Um, whereas in this one she got Claire got told to do a lot of stuff yeah or was disagreed with an awful lot so it it felt just a bit yeah yeah last last thing about Claire yeah I love that her hair went from perfectly straight to perfectly curly as it got wet I thought that was amazing. Doesn't your hair do that? My hair goes curly. It does not go perfectly curly. <laughs> it is not <laughs> a perfectly styled curl. hair do that? It is Hermione frizz city. <laughs> it um, did change colour too, I noticed. Yeah, it did a bit. Yeah, she got highlights halfway through. Yeah, that's right. She got stuff yeah. over. Got some highlights. The raptors did it. And the um, other ladies. So there were yeah, only ladies. really two other ladies. Well, three. There were three. There were three other ladies. Yeah. Okay, I've got Judy Greer's character, the yep, mother. So the sister. Oh, the, yeah, the sister mother. Sister slash mother. Uh, I've got... The assistant, Zara. Zara, that's her oh, name. Yeah. 
and um and the girl in the tech oh room, that's right tech, tech girl yeah who doesn't do anything the no, whole she should have been movie um, i'm just gonna call him nick miller because i know him from new girl yeah <laughs> but that's um fair. she should have had the nick miller role hands down she didn't do anything no I, I would have loved her to be the quirky dinosaur oh no wait she spoke into the headset yeah twice one time and she had like, that weird chemistry with the helicopter guy and there was that weird weird moment where she saw him off Oh, yeah, that was creepy. Yeah, and I was like, what? <laughs> That's your boss. Stop yeah, it. Yeah, it was a bit strange. Actually, um, do you know what it was? She's playing her character out of Orange is the New Black, and Nick Miller was playing Nick Miller. Yeah, he was, definitely. But I definitely, the other tech assistant should have had Nick Miller's role. Yeah. Um, he should have been not existed. I um, did like the fact that she said, no, you can't kiss me. I hated the fact that she immediately said, I have a boyfriend, because I'm like, no, no is enough. Yeah. That is all you have to say. Just say no. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, yeah, but that was a nothing role. Yep. Um, so the other roles include... The mother-sister. Mother-sister, Judy Greer. I love uh, Judy Greer, and I, I love, love the Judy fact it was those two again, because it reminds me of The Village, which I also love. The Village is amazing. Yes. Um, people say it's not amazing, but they but are it wrong. Is. They are wrong. So Judy Greer's character, um, the whole divorce subplot was kind of, you know, pointless. And really weird... Like, it was completely unnecessary. Uh, but I'm sure we'll get to that a bit more in Boy Bits. Yes. And I found it really interesting because I think it was one of those things where they wanted to hark back to Jurassic Park. and Because Lex and Tim's parents are getting divorced at the start of Jurassic Park. And I think I said this to you, it is mentioned exactly once in the whole of Jurassic Park where Hammond says to Gennaro, their parents are getting divorced, I want them to have a fun weekend. And that is the last time we hear about it. Mm. Meanwhile... Little Grey and Zach. Oh my god, I remembered their names. You did. Uh, <laughs> win for me. I'm not even related, Claire. That's how much you suck. Um, <laughs> it is mentioned so many times, and Grey's core role is to either be really excited by dinosaurs or get really weepy over the divorce. Yeah. That's two jobs. Two jobs. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Zach's a dick. We'll, get, we'll, we'll talk get, about that. We'll get back to that. Um, so Judy Greer's character didn't have a lot to do um, other than make Claire feel guilty. About her life. Um, and I also thought, i got to say, I thought it was very, very weird that we never flashed to them while it was all happening. No. Because it was actually, that was one of the things I did like about Jurassic Park 3, was the fact that we did flash to Ellie Sattler a lot. Yeah. At home. And I enjoyed that. I thought that was a really, it, it created a really nice dynamic because you get that calm and storm. Yep. Um, whereas we just had a storm. Yes. In Jurassic World, which means there's no real ebb and flow and there's no shades of grey within the film, which makes it a lot less interesting and dynamic to watch. And it makes it a lot less scary mm-hmm. as well. Because um, that's the thing with the Jurassic Park movies. It's, they're much more horror than action films. Yeah, you're right. And Jurassic World too, they, like you said, there's not a lot of lull within the, the narrative, particularly when we get to the point where the dinosaur's out. And they keep doing, um, here's a twist, and mm-hmm. here's a twist. And here's another twist. And here's yeah. some more twist. Oh, I bet you didn't see that twist coming. And you're and like, I guess I did. you guys, come Except on. for the weaponized dinosaurs, because I don't know why you did that. That was well, a weird choice. No, I actually saw that. As soon as Ingen, as soon as Vince What's-He-Face said, do you know what we could do? I went, oh, you're going to be gross and do that thing with military, aren't you? And that is, is, that's something you see in a lot of military movies, is the guy yeah. who is secretly on a military mission while pretending to be somebody else. So I, I saw Everyone that Everyone in your life. But yeah, um, so, Judy I mean, Judy yes. Greer. I mean, she, like I said, she didn't have much to do. And I uh, love her. I love her too. She's a terrific actress. Um... But, and she probably kind of makes the movie pass the Bechdel test, I think. With one line? With one line, which is, how are you, Claire? 
Because <laughs> that was the only time they weren't talking about their nephews. Yes. Oh, and um, Claire's nephews. Um, so the last um, female character, although I do want to talk a bit about the teenage girls, but we'll get to that, um, is Zara, who's played by the wonderful Katie McGrath, who is entirely wasted in this movie. Uh, people playing at home, that's Morgana from Merlin. And she's also in the new Dracula series with Jonathan Rhys-Meyers, which is actually pretty good. I'm noticing uh, a trend in all her film her choices, but anyway. Yeah, she's great though. She's wonderfully she's talented. Lovely. And she's gorgeous. And she gets a shit role. Oh, she gets a nothing role. It's a until it's role. suddenly important enough to become torture porn. Um, it's very interesting because one of the th- ways that they show that Claire is a bad person is because she, you know, palms her nephews off to her assistant almost immediately. Yeah, but like, look, it's a work day. What, it didn't totally, bother me that much. No, it didn't bother me at all. Um, so I was like, I can't drop my life. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I am busy and important. Shut yeah. up. Um, so it actually wasn't that bad. But then, you know, they crafted this very strange subplot that they had gave enough weight to that she had to verbalise it about her wedding and her fiancé's bachelor party. But then she's never in the movie until no. suddenly she is. Yeah, and then they kill her. And then they kill her. Well, I think that's because they wanted you to kind of kill her. Like, I wonder if they, because she's got more of a role that's been cut. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was very um, disappointed again. Disappointed is actually the wrong word in this context. I was unhappy <laughs> unmoved I, well no not even that i was i was um unple- like I, I found it very unpleasant about the fact how long we lingered on her death um when no other character had gotten quite as um quite as gory a, a death as her no but she was batted around and she was really um dropped between the pterodactyls and then finally eaten um and we didn't have that with anyone else. And it was given so much weight, particularly given she was a nothing character. She di- mm. We didn't have enough of emotional tie to her yeah. to care. No, exactly. I didn't care. It wasn't, yeah. It was, it was a bit of a disappointing choice, I think, for the movie to make. Um, and then to linger on it, as you say. And that's mm. why I say torture porn. It was just so unnecessary. Like, I get the point wasn't actually about her. It was about the the you know little battle going on with the dinosaurs but, and the little boys oh god but even the boys weren't around her enough to care you yeah, know they're like bye yeah they're like okay so you dead person bye um <laughs> wow like you got eaten by a thing um like yeah there was no emotional punch there and what's so different about jurassic park is even when um you know the people that you don't like like Gennaro, at least we spent a solid amount of time with yeah. him before he got it yeah and at least we got to know him as a character yeah and that's the thing it's Same just, with and that's what it was like with this with the whole thing with jurassic world i feel like i don't know any of these characters mm. and that includes owen and claire yep i don't know anything about them there's too many people and and i think this uh, this is my bugbear with a lot of these um cgi scale uh, cgi action movies is it's about scale they mm. the scope is just so large that you can't care about enough characters at the same time for it to be, have any emotional weight mm. um i had the same feeling with avengers um, and I feel like that's going to get worse the bigger that universe expands. Yeah. But Jurassic Park, and I keep coming back to it because it is such it, it is such a shame that it couldn't replicate that more. Um, Jurassic Park is a small group of characters, and it's an intimate 
like you say, it's a horror movie. It's not really yeah. an action movie. Indiana Jones, it's a small group of people. That's yeah. why people enjoy it, and it means something. Jurassic World, we had, um, I think it was about 10 or 12 speaking parts mm. um, where stuff happened. Only one of them is killed, and that's... Oh, sorry, two of them are killed, and that's the multimillionaire and... Uh, Oh, wait, three of them are killed. Shut up, Amy. <laughs> uh, the millionaire, Vince, and Zara are killed. Mm. But I don't spend enough time with any of those three to care. No. If they had killed Owen, for example, I probably would have cared about that a little bit more. I don't know if I would have. I was kind of hoping for it at the end. Was, <laughs> with the raptors. The yeah. raptors should have just turned just on him. I was waiting it. for it. Yeah. <sighs> Someone did an amazing fan art on Tumblr. Where it, was like a, it was a comic bit where they're following him on the motorbike. And one of the raptors turns to that one and is like, why haven't we killed him yet? The other one goes, he's so beautiful. <laughs> That's exactly what like, it was. Yeah. <laughs> they were lady raptors. Yeah, they didn't realize he wasn't. Slept up in the moment. <laughs> um, Did you want to talk about the teen girls? Shall we? Look, I think this is kind of bleeding into boy territory now. So okay. I'm going to go, boy bits. And then um, I will talk about them now. But I'll talk about them in context with Zach. Okay. Um, what did you think of Zach? Zach annoyed the fuck out of me, and I wish he had bitten, been eaten. Like, it... I thought you were going to say bitten the dust then, and I was like, yes. I, I don't know what I was going for, but it just turned into all kinds of bites yeah. and eatens. Um, Either way, the sentiments there. He, there were glimpses of cool, like the bit where they jump off the, the waterfall and he drags his brother and he's like, you actually jumped! And it was this beautiful bonding moment. But then they had to turn around and say we're bonding as brothers. Yeah. Um, it, and actually, that's something to say about Jurassic World as a whole. The exposition was terrible. Oh, so for, for a medium that's about show, don't tell, they told an awful lot, which was what? so it's annoying. What? It's visual language? What? No, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, Zach was annoying. Grey was kind of cute, but they oh, no, what they were I trying was... to replicate was Grey was going to be Tim, but then Zach was this weird, sullen boy that did weird stuff. Yeah. Well, when the dinosaur had, when the big bad dinosaur had them in the little hamster ball, I was like, get him, get him! <laughs> <laughs> I was not enjoying my time with them at all. I was really disappointed when they got out. <laughs> um, I just didn't feel any connection to them whatsoever. No. The little boy was really precocious. I know, like, he was like a blubbery child. I just, I was Claire, like, early Claire in the situation. Get away! Stop Small crying, children. your cheer is on me, you terrible child. Yeah, go enjoy the park away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and then don't tell me about it. Yeah. And Zach, I found really... Um, I, sour, I soured very quickly to him based on the way he treated his girlfriend at the start. And this is kind of where I was getting into on the teenage girls front. All the teenage girls, and there's a lot of them actually. Mm. Um, I think there's about three different instances of groups of them and them eyeing him off. And... Um, they were completely dehumanized in all the cases, including mm. his girlfriend at the start. Like, what a hysterical girl! And I think that's kind of the, uh, one of the themes of the movie. Oh, them girls, aren't they hysterical? Um, and it, all of them were, but yeah. tech girl. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, so, no, um, you're completely right. Yeah, I mean, and it's, I just, I really, it soured me very early on the way that he treated them. And all you would have really needed was one of those girls to be, to have, to, you know, to be one of the girls brandishing a bat at the pterodactyls later on. I yeah. have some moment like that of reconnection. Um, or where, re-relevance. Yeah. Making them relevant. Yeah, or in any way, shape or form, engaging 
yeah. beyond the scope. It was and it's talking again about male gaze and stuff. They were completely while they weren't sexualized as such, um, they were very male gazy and their relevance to the story was only through their relation with Jack with Zach. Yeah. I agree. Um, Grey, I didn't mind so much, but it, the the whole thing where Grey's only relevance was, dinosaurs are exciting. Oh, my parents are divorcing. <laughs> he only had two emotional spheres, and the whole thing about him counting teeth only seemed to, or counting things, only seemed to come up as a key plot relevance, you know. Yeah. Uh, suddenly, there's not enough teeth. Oh, wait, that's going to spark an amazing idea for me. Um, yeah. But it's not mentioned again for, you know, 30 minutes prior to that. Yeah. So. It's like, I'm, hello, I'm convenience plot device guy. Yeah. And like they spend an awful yeah. lot of time at the parents' house. Yeah, at the start. That was just not... That was pointless. Yeah, I didn't go... And none of that went anywhere. And this is kind of what I'm getting at with the game of the whole thing, is that none of it went anywhere. No. Uh, which really, really bothered me. Um narratively so away from the two boys because they're boring yeah let's talk about owen owen look i, I think before that uh, the millionaire I, I think he can be he is the weakest rich man i've ever met yeah he is um he got told off by a scientist and who a military man <laughs> and a military guy who works for him and then conceded all the points and he changed his mind about the value of these animals halfway through without mm. any type of meaningful connection no um, they can't even fly a helicopter, right? Yeah, what kind of millionaire are you? Jesus. <laughs> um, and also, I was like, very unclear about whether or not he worked for the Hammond Foundation, because it kind of sounded like he did, yeah. but then he didn't. Well, I was kind of like, does he work for the foundation? Is he an investor? Or is he the... At a point as well, I thought he was the chair, maybe, or something. Yeah. I was very confused as to what his actual role was. And, and maybe I missed it, but yeah. it was just something I Random just Richie. couldn't... Let's not talk about him because I think he's the least interesting out of yeah. them. Yeah. So, so Owen. Let's talk about Owen. Um, look, I love Chris Pratt. I really, really do. But I think he was one the wrong choice for this role. I don't think he came off. Um, he came off really smarmy. Yeah, and I actually do think Chris Pratt's naturally charming, but I think he plays better charming as the underdog. Yeah. I don't think he's a top dog charmer. And for this, I just couldn't. And again, a part of this was the poor writing of the film. But um, I found it very difficult to engage with his character at all. <laughs> I'm very indifferent about that guy. And, I, and it comes back to that. It, it, it Actually, I had a lot of problems with his backstory and the fact that it meant nothing. Yeah. Um, his bonding stuff with the raptors would have made more sense if they conceptualized it sooner. Because suddenly he's using a clicky thing at them. And it's not until a third of the way through the movie that he says, I raised them. And you're yeah. like, well, that makes more sense now. Well, he does talk about it at the start, but he imprinted on them when they were babies. Oh, does he? Yeah, I must have he missed does. that. I was too angry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he does use that clicky thing still. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he doesn't use it anymore. The I'm imprint like, annoyed me so much. Um, yeah. That whole cons- that whole storyline was so frustrating. Well, it didn't, just didn't really make any sense. And dare I say, and this might sound really stupid, but I was angry that he wasn't upset about, one, the raptors turning on him, and to the raptors dying. Was that one that set fire? I laughed for like a year. The one that caught fire. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was just so ridiculous. You know what I thought? Sushi tonight. Oh, dinosaur sushi. That's a choice. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was I, I doubted, it made me doubt his emotional connection with the raptors, which was one of the key things this, this movie was trying to get across. Agree, yeah. Um, and also, animals don't have the capacity to understand full sentences. 
I don't care how smart the dinosaur is. You can't use a full sentence to tell it to get away from you. It's not going to understand that. Yeah. It's a dinosaur. Raptors are pretty smart, though. No, they're not. They're dinosaurs. <laughs> Look, I don't know. I don't know the full extent of raptor you can't intelligence. Use full, but, but you can't. You don't use complex sentences with even apes. So I use complex sentences with my cats. They still don't listen lady. to what you say. So. Um, but yeah, so it's just, I found it. There's a lot of stuff for his character, which seemed, again, half-baked, which is yeah. ultimately what this film feels like. Or unfulfilled. Yeah. And the relationship with his handler, who I don't think ever got named. No, I don't um, think so either. Was really interesting. The fact that he seemed to be the only one who had that kind of relationship with mm. the animals. Yeah. For a, a zoo of that size, there wasn't a lot. No, you'd, you'd be sharing that role. Yeah, and there'd be a lot of keepers and there'd be zoo, there'd be vets and there'd be handlers and, and the imprinting thing. I mean, you see it. I, I watched a documentary about Australia Zoo. Um, <laughs> and while there was one guy who um, raised the, the cat until they were a certain age to get them used to being around families. There are at least three people in that process, yep. in that imprinting process. So even that, you wouldn't... I mean, his handler obviously was involved in that, but there would be more people who would have an active role in that, surely. Yeah, they would. Yeah. It was yeah. very annoying. Anyway. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. And, I mean, it kind of leads back to the fact... Um, to, to what I was saying about it being underbaked, but that, but that was every element of the film, and it was certainly every element of both his and Claire's characters, um, which is probably why their relationship felt so artificial. So dead, um, yeah. And so shoehorned in... Um, and like I said before, I actually do think that the two actors had chemistry and could have... And they were both doing the best in that relationship is what they could do. Um but even the moments like of their intimacy and stuff really fell flat. And mm. they didn't have anything where it was sort of them connecting on in any sort of deeper level. It seemed to rely a lot on the fact that they'd been on this one prior date. And the only reason that didn't work out was because she over-organized it. Um, but the fact is, from the looks of it, they didn't have any sort of emotional... Connection at all, no. Connection. And I think all it would have taken as well was for him to be upset about the raptors dying and her offering him words of comfort or... Mm. When she was upset about her kids being missing, him just being like, hey, we'll find them, and then having a, having a look. Like, yeah. as, as you know, as cliche as that sort of moment is, that's all it would have taken to actually add some depth to their relationship. Because it was really s- superficial. Yeah. And that's kind of how really I feel was. about the movie generally, was that it was very shallow. Yeah. Um, Agree. In everything. And I, with Owen, too, it comes back to that everyman concept, you know, looking at um, wildlife, people who work with wildlife, they're not they don't spend a lot of time at the gym because they yeah. don't have time yeah they eat well but if you're imprinting with animals you don't get time to bench press and look like that so that idea of the everyman he was positioned as an everyman but to be an ex-navy officer yeah. and to be built like that it just couldn't it didn't go anywhere like yeah. you know what i mean yeah. Um, so also, it's weird that he lived on the island and then never came back to his place. Right? That was weird. Also, nobody else seemed to live on the island. Yeah. Where did everybody else live? I don't know where everyone else lived. Um, probably catching a ferry or helicopter. They seem to have a lot of helicopters. But I also just like the idea of him going back to his apartment finally after this is all over and just being full of dinosaurs. <laughs> I just had a thought. If that's the original island, there's a shot in the first movie where they talk about the wind shear and you have to do a steep descent to get onto the island. Do you remember that? No. 
Okay. I haven't seen it in a while. You can't fly a helicopter. You can't just fly a helicopter over that island because there was a sheer and and things. Jurassic World. Um, Ignoring its own logic. That's right. The only other character I want to talk about is um, Vince. I can't pronounce his last name's character, and Henry Wu, um, who was played by B D Wong. Um, I I love the character of Henry Wu. He was one of the most underutilized in the first movie. He has a big role to play in the books, but not a lot of uh, to do in the first movie. And they made him evil. Yeah. They made him and secret like, evil. Yeah, and like caricature evil as well. Oh, and the black turtleneck. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's a black hat now, guys. It was sad. But obviously opening the door for movie number two in the series. Which, please, may God have mercy. Have mercy. <laughs> have, mercy. <laughs> have mercy on us all. Um, I will not be seeing that movie. Let's not hope it doesn't have Claire and Owen. Actually, that'll be interesting to see how they bring them back, given, you know, the... It is unclear what has happened to the island, and I think that was annoying too. But anyway. Yeah, well, I don't think we're, we're meant to know just yet. Um, well, that's why the dinosaurs haven't taken over, I don't think. But not entirely. But the pterodactyls no. are out, and they appear to have stamina. So yeah. Hmm. Goodbye, um, America. Evil guy from Ingen, Mr. Vince. Yes. Thoughts. Daredevil. I love him as an actor, but he had he was dialing it in. He was like, "Bring me that paycheck, guys." <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, I'm gonna get my hand eaten off, and I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was one of the moments I actually really liked because he's like, "Come on, watch the hand, watch the hand." <laughs> yeah, oh, hey. uh, that was good. You would have um, liked that. But such uh, a stereotype, and oh, so obviously gonna like, bad in badly. I kept kind of expecting him to like get his fingers together and be like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> like in the corner. Yeah. Um, also, sorry, just a, a little bit of a tangent here but a logic question because i couldn't work out what was happening in it when the raptors had their heads in the little cases did they ever explain what they were doing in that um, bit from what i understand they were putting the the head thing on oh okay that but they seem to be in it a lot yeah they did because i was like when they first showed them in it, i was like oh they're probably getting bet checked possibly like, but then they never showed anything else of that so i was like what's going on that seemed a bit weird and, yeah, actually, yeah surely a vet check vet will come around and check eyes and stuff like that and but it and, was yeah. yeah um because those little get-ups make sense for something like that i don't know um, but no completely i was like why are they like that is it just so that you can have that weird thing with vince trying to touch its face and maybe the being like fuck you buddy not without um, permission i'm gonna get you um i don't know Actually. Also, it was very unclear what Vince's job was. Uh, it was intimidating stranger. <laughs> I thought that was his role. Why, like, why was he there? Yeah, I don't know. It was, um, he obviously, I think, I believe he had a security role of some description. Um, but, but, yeah, it was, no, no, no. It was very unexplained, but everything in this movie was very unexplained. Yeah, um, there were a lot of gaping holes, but then over-exposition in other areas. Yeah. Or n- unnecessary backstory in other areas. Yeah. Well, I also thought it was weird that he was making all those sneaky, sneaky phone calls. And then we had all the military, like, rock up. And it was re- it really positioned it that they were working with him as well. But then it was just B.D. Wong, from what I could gather, who was working with him. And the military crew was actually there to contain the dinosaurs. From what I understand, it was kind of... Um oh what's it called not an executive decision martial law almost Mm. that ingen because so the backstory with ingen is that hammond actually developed jurassic park with ingen funds and Mm. he ran ingen 
and then he founded the Hammond Foundation. And this is in the book specifically, but it was never really explained in the films, I think. Um, so that was the relationship between the Hammond Foundation and InGen. And I think what I could gather from the logos on the military trucks was that the military component was InGen trying to take control of the island okay. and trying to repossess the animals as a weapon because by the sounds of it, they had been paying... And this is this is all assumption. So what I understood was that they had been paying Henry Wong, Henry Wu, to develop the dinosaurs as weapons. So with the ultimate goal that InGen would then put them in the field, as which is a thing. Kind of that's a really stupid idea. And anyway. convoluted, really convoluted yeah. for this type of movie. Yeah, but even the um, like you know the like you know what raptors are and what how they hunt and all this sort of stuff. And the idea of someone being like, yes, let's put them in the field. Well, that was that was, was the like, whole really? thing with him and Owen um, towards the beginning where he was like, you have military background. You understand yeah. the value yeah. of these things. And then when he sees the Indominus Rex, he's like, could you imagine what it does in the field? He's assuming that they can be controlled yeah. and, and anybody can control them, yeah. not understanding human nature. And that's where you, when you were talking earlier about there were some of these big themes that they – seemed to want to talk about but didn't quite yeah. do i think that was one of them that you can't control nature which jurassic park said much more succinctly yes. much more clearly which jurassic world tried to do but never quite got there yeah and this is the thing i think it's and something i say a lot um in my personal life and in my teaching and stuff like that where it's this thing where i the role of a sequel and of any sequel should always be to deepen a world, not stretch it. Yeah. And this was stretching. This was stretching. Um, Definitely. And it's and the, you and you end up with that sort of thing where which seems to sound a bit odd, but it's like it's kind of like trying to fit a single fitted sheet over a double bed. It's not gonna. Mm. You're gonna end up with these um, real gaps in the in where you're covering and what you're covering and what you're doing. Agree. Um, because you've approached it entirely the wrong way. Yeah. Um, and and that's kind of what I how I feel about Jurassic World. It's it's not asking any new questions. It's not really putting through any coherent new thought. Um, and I mean, this is kind of what I, I mean. Tomorrowland came out this month yes, as it well. Did. Um, and Tomorrowland failed as a movie, and it is it's a very it's a lot of ideas (laughs) um but it's you know i believe that brad bird who um wrote and directed it i believe that he did have something to say in it and it's and while he failed and while the movie wasn't great i'd much i'm at a point in my life where i'd much rather see someone try something new and believe in what they're saying Mm. than watch someone um bastardize an old story um with no motive other than making money yeah which is what i felt this was definitely and i think that's most evident because you couldn't you couldn't you could tell whose story they thought it should be yeah but it was never clear on whose story it was there was no ownership of that narrative whatsoever and it failed entirely as a result and it's so depressing because not only did it fail in its representations of women it was just such a terrible movie generally that we've spent a lot of time talking about the flaws in the narrative and the logic and the plot and the way it represents women is just one component of a hot mess of a pie like yeah don't want to be eating that sequel no but anyway about the eating metaphors i know (laughs) i'm not hungry Uh, i had a big dinner yeah 
Oh, so I think that kind of brings us to the end of the discussion. It does. It's a nice note to end on. Pie. Um, pie. <laughs> Bechdel mm, test? Pie. Yeah, Bechdel test. Does it pass? Um, I think it just passes. Does it have more than one lady, fem- uh, lady female lady character? Female. <laughs> lady female? It does have more than one lady female. Do they talk to each other? They do talk to each other. Do they talk to each other about something other than a man? Or a boy. Or a boy. Look, this is up for debate. I almost seem to watch it again, which I will not be doing. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to hear opinions from I feel like listeners. I need to, though. Um, sorry. Because I think, I think you could probably get away with it by saying Judy Greer and, and um, Claire talking towards the end, where Judy Greer asks if she's all right. That's not talking about a man. But I also don't think... I think that's a bit of a stretch. Okay. Well... Okay, so maybe we could say that's half a point. Half a point. Using the fourth rule, the unofficial fourth rule of the Bechdel test, does their conversation move the plot along? No. Okay. It has essentially failed Bechdel failed. test. Boo. Thumbs down. What about the... Um, I'll ask you because okay. I know what you want to say. <laughs> okay. Does it pass the sexy lamp test? Can it be replaced by... Can the main female character be replaced by a sexy lamp... And would the story be exactly the same? Look, um, (laughs) I would say yes, for one reason and for the hilarious reason in that Claire's most meaningful moment in the whole movie is her being a light. (laughs) So, yes, in effect, Claire could be replaced by a sexy lamp. However, that sexy lamp would need to know how to drive. This is true. So I think we could do that. I think there's, I'm sure there's some lamps in yeah. Japan that can do that. Yeah. <laughs> lamps having identity crisis. That's right. Um, as for the other female characters, every other speaking female role within this uh, movie could have been replaced by a sexy lamp. Uh, every other female role in this film could have been replaced by nothing because <laughs> that was their role. But then what would so, the pterodactyl have thrown through the air? Hopefully one of the kids. <laughs> Uh, so that brings us to the end of episode two jurassic world jurassic world Um, we'll actually be back in two weeks with a short episode so not an hour-long monster like this one um but a short half hour one on pixar (gasps) yes Um, we will oh pixar yeah we'll be talking about so we're going to be doing this as a new um fortnightly off-week installment um, well, we look at franchises so that we don't bog down your monthly pa- <laughs> podcast with franchises only. Let's let's um, be honest though. So far, we've reviewed Mad Max and Jurassic World, both parts of franchises. Yeah. So we feel like this was a smart choice. Yeah. So our <laughs> next movie is actually going to be what I assume is the new Face Off. <laughs> it does have the yeah. forward dash, uh, yeah. which is selfless, uh, and we'll be doing that in July. And it'll be a bit different because I'll be Skyping in. Yes, I'll be in America. Which will be exciting for you. Exciting for me. All right, so officially Uh, good day and and good night. Good night and sleep well. If if it's that time of day for you. (laughs) If it's not, because this is the internet and you can listen to it at any time. Have fun. (laughs) If you're going to work, please stay awake. (laughs) Listening on a commute. And goodbye. Goodbye.